Are you longing for a fresh encounter with God and His Word? I'm Lisa Pulliam, founder of More To Be and host of this podcast, and I'm here to help you experience that fresh encounter. I believe that the more we seek God and study His Word, the more He'll transform us to be like Jesus and equip us to impact this world with kingdom hope. Before we jump into today's episode, don't forget to check out our coaching and Bible study resources and programs available at More To Be. Your financial support underwrites this podcast. On this episode, I'm joined by Megan Fate Marshman. She loves God and his church, which is abundantly clear in her new book that will be coming out in August of 2020, Meant for Good, The Adventure of Trusting God and His Plans for You. Megan is a teaching pastor at Willow Creek Community Church, speaks to audiences internationally, leads the women's ministry at Arbor Road Church, and serves as the director of women's ministry at Hume Lake Christian Camps. Megan delights in sharing Jesus at churches, conferences, universities, and around dinner tables. She currently lives in Southern California with her husband and two boys. Her website is meganfate.com. Welcome, Megan. So glad that you are here today on this spring day. Oh, it's good to be here talking about things that matter. That's what I love. That is awesome. So I... I never heard of you before your publishing house reached out to me and said, would you interview Megan for the podcast? I think she'd be a good fit. And I thought, well, who is this Megan woman? So I, I you know, did what we always do, checked the social media, checked out your website and thought, okay, I think we can connect because we, we being Stephen and I spent 18 years at a boarding school together serving. So my heart for youth ministry, high school ministry, and we met at summer camp. So it was like, okay, we're going to get this. But it was getting your book and, and starting to dive into it that I was like, yes, there's this woman who understands what it means to read scripture in context and the danger when we take it out of context. So I, I, you know, I want to talk about what's in this book, but I would love everyone to just get to know you first. Like, what was the journey to getting to this place of writing this book? for you? What are the important Ooh. pieces of your story that you want us to know? Hmm. I probably want you to know that I thought I knew God very well, and I was content with a lot of knowledge about him for a majority of my life. And then I worked at a Christian camp and had reoccurring questions. One being, how do you actually hear from God? And I remember wrestling with it because I kept hearing the same question. How do you hear from God? How do you hear from God? Wow. How do you hear from God? And then as I became a Bible teacher, how do you, how do you hear from God to be able to teach? How do you hear from God? And it was such a consistent question that I figured out. I didn't want to give a Christian platitude. I wanted to have an honest answer, a good answer, and one that was true to my life. And so I will say the journey toward this book really began probably a decade ago when I fell in love with his word and it didn't just become a task to me. That was the game changer. And if you're listening in on this and Bible reading feels like a duty, it's possible for there to be more. I remember Dallas Willard was once in an interview and I love Dallas Willard, uh, everything that he does, which basically studies, how do you become and look more like Christ? And in one interview, they said, hey, um, how do you know if you have a healthy relationship with spiritual disciplines? And he said, ooh, you just analyze how you feel afterwards. Do you feel guilty or do you feel thirsty if you don't? And I thought, oh, you analyze when you don't do it, do you feel guilty for not doing it? Or do you just feel thirsty because you know you're missing out on everything? So 
man, the journey for speaking, writing books, the whole, any aspect of ministry that comes out of my life started when suddenly I knew how to hear from God for myself. That is what you need to know. That is amazing. I completely relate to that. You know, I, I came to know the Lord in college and, uh, I'll never forget, you know, Susie sending me my first Bible with my, my name engraved on the cover of it. Like that was yeah. like this, I arrived, uh, but it was a decade before I actually felt that I needed to read scripture for myself. Like I was, I didn't know where to start. I didn't know what to, to do with it. And I would be in small groups and have to fake it. Like, because I didn't even understand yeah. what they were saying. Um, and then I had a friend that this is a really interesting God moment. I had a friend that showed up on my back door, sliding door. She, she was from the West coast. So this wasn't like just around the block. Jody walks up to the back door and says, I, God told me to give you this devotional. Wow. You need this to get real with him. Whoa. And I was like, Oh crap. Because it wasn't only that the week earlier, my friend Julie had said to me, God's on your to-do list. You don't really have a relationship. You need to get real with him. Mm. And then three days after this backdoor encounter, I ended up going to a women's Bible study that my friend Lisa invited me to, and she never showed up. And oh, I was perfect. there by myself. I love when that, I love when that's the story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love those like, friends. Oh, totally set up by like these people that God wow. was using in my life. And that's when I started going to Bible study. And I remember Beth Moore teaching on a video. It was the TV was one of those that was really big and it was on top of a cart back in the dark. Yes. Days. And they wheel it in. Yeah. Yeah. They, they wheel, wheel it, it in. in. They eject the VCR and then put in the other one. Yeah. 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 And sitting there thinking, who is this woman? And what is she talking about loving Jesus and studying his word? She, she said in that study, that her dining room table had turned into her office and that her books were covered and her girls were probably teens at the time. And it just cast a vision for me that there was more to this relationship with Jesus than, than just verbal faith and um, action. Like it was more than just stopping cursing and stopping sleeping around and stopping drinking. Like there yeah. was actually a connection that could come through reading God's word and it that set me on fire and it's been growing for the last like, gosh like decade and a half now I probably almost 20 years yeah I love that we have that in common in fact I for anyone that would be listening that's either maybe you haven't had that I would just say I'd actually love to hear what you would say to that person who maybe was where you were or maybe where I was you know 10 15 years ago uh, unaware and just kind of I, I these are all things I should do I should do I should do I should do and not not receiving what's possible, what would you tell that person? Oh, good question. Um, ask the Lord to show you. Start with prayer. Start with a conversation that isn't based on doing, but based on, you know, God, where are you? What is it that you're drawing me into? How do you want to reveal yourself to me? And then, and, you know, if I open my Bible, how will you reveal yourself to me in this? And I would say partner that with somebody that can serve as a mentor, as a guide, that, that we're not meant to do our faith alone. And so if you can't figure it out alone, then ask somebody to help you figure it out. That would be my thought too, the person. 
I think yeah. it's that's the the key is going to wherever you're going. So let's say it's a women's Bible study or is to be really honest because your honesty would actually be the better gift to the group. I, the reason yeah. I say that, I can, I can remember one moment uh, I was a part of, <laughs> my church did this big, it was really beautiful. They said, okay, we're gonna do life groups, but we're gonna do a book study. We're gonna do a book of the Bible, but we're gonna invite non-Christian friends. That's the goal. Let's all invite people that don't know the Lord and ask them if they wanna be a part of a book study and let them know. We're gonna study the book, but it happens to be a book in the Bible. We just wanna study it. And we're gonna put away everything, shelve everything we already know, and we just want to show up. And so I'm all passionate about it. I'm going to host a life group. I invite my non-Christian neighbor. It's like the first time I'm really going for it with him. He's like, I'm like, you want to go to a book study? And he goes, um, sure. I've never really been invited to a book study. I'm like, yeah, by the way, the book's the Bible. He's like, mm, the old bait and switch. I'm like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, so, but, but here's the best part. He shows up. And he goes, you know, I've actually been curious my whole life. And mind you, he's in his 20s at this point. I'm like, yeah. So he shows up. It's me, him, and everybody's supposed to bring a non-Christian friend. Turns out of my 10 friends, I'm the only one that brought the non-Christian friend. But here's the aha moment of the group for me and everyone else is we started the Bible study like we typically would, all of us kind of proving how much we know and how smart we are. Then Colin, my neighbor, chimes in and what he brought, which was what the, and there's a little bit of cursing in there as well, but oh, sure. what was questions that none of us dared to ask because all of us were there more to protect our pride rather than to actually grow. Uh -huh. We really wanted to prove what, what we had to bring to the group, not actually grow. Yep. And so Colin, his questions, his, his courage to be honest that he didn't know the answer to why Ooh. heaven opened up and what the dove looked like when it come and sat on Jesus and his honesty was the catalyst for everyone to grow. We think that the catalyst for others to grow is us being smart. Turns out it's not. It's just us being real because vulnerability oh, yeah. breeds vulnerability. Yeah, totally. My mind is racing with a hundred different examples. I mean, it's just, it's just true that this lead in, nobody can let down their weakness if nobody lets down their weakness, right? There's like the sense of of this mass thing and through the equine assisted training I've been going through with this trauma focus, it's God's exposing it to me uh, and, and just did so in the, the past like eight days of, I have hidden my fear in every situation I've been in with the appearance of strength. Because if nobody knows that I'm afraid, then I won't get hurt. And so I just need to fake it till I make it. I just need to press on and press in. And, and like you're saying, present everything you know instead of all the things that you don't know. And, and what's happening is that it is breaking down connection with people because then I appear as somebody that doesn't need anybody. Mm -hmm. It looks like I have it all together. So how could you serve me? And yet God has designed the body under his headship to be many members each needing each other. So every single one of us has some sort of weakness that needs another to meet that need. And if we don't get honest with it, then, then we can't move ahead. And what I've learned through this training is it's, it's a survival mechanism that can start in us very, very young. That anytime we have that sense of adrenaline rush of fear, that we pacify it either through running away and going inward or just blazing past and ignoring what our body is telling us in terms of fear. Because we don't know, we haven't been taught that we can sit with fear 
and come out the other side of it. Mm. So it's been, um, I mean, this is a new thought to me of what does it look like to sit in fear when perfect love casts out fear? Mm. What does it look like to be the first to raise? Like I, even just thinking about it makes my like eyes well and my tear ducts start to generate. Mm. Like to be that person that stands there and says, I'm afraid that I don't know what the answer will be. So I don't even want to find the answer. Mm -hmm. And everyone listening right now would say, oh yeah, I'd want to hear that from someone else. And it's very courageous to actually admit it. Yeah. Well, it's, it's part of, I want to grow. I want, I want to not live in fear anymore in any situation of my life. I don't want to live in fear. I want to live honest. There was a time I would have said, I want to live courageous. And that's not the goal. I just want to live honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love a friend of mine once said, God won't meet you where you're not. So you huh. might as well, you might as well just be where you're at because he's right. not going to meet you somewhere else that you're not. Right. So yes, right. honesty. And it takes, you know, part of this lesson has come through. Um, when I have been working at my, my friend's farm, volunteering there for the last year, I grew up riding, didn't do a lot of horse handling, was in a situation where the horse was already ready and tacked and I just had to jump on and do the task. Now I'm like going into fields, connecting with horses, haltering them, taking them out to feed them. And I have really struggled with being afraid, but wanting to not look afraid. And I could feel my body like shaking inside. Like, and I think I could think back to times when I've been in small groups and in Bible studies where, oh no, they're going to come to me and I'm going to have to say something and I'm scared to death. And I know that women and men feel this all the time. Like, I'm going to have to say something. I'm going to have to explain myself. I'm going to have to be honest. And that, that physical feeling. And so I've ignored, ignored, ignored. Finally, about three months ago, I admitted to my friend, Michelle, I might look like I know what I'm doing, but whenever I put this halter on Ryan or, you know, Jordy or whoever, whichever the horse it is, like my heart is racing so bad mm -hmm. that I feel like they're going to run from me because they can feel it. Yeah. And, and it was when I started, she said, then slow it down, slow it down until you're not afraid. Why does this have to go at the speed that you think it needs to go at? Why not just go slower and, and do less? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, all right. So I just started to slow the whole process down. And I, I do believe that, that God was working through that verbal connection with, and she was a sister in Christ too. And so she was praying me through it. And then it was through the honesty that I was able to find the support I needed to change mm -hmm. how I was going about doing it so that I could have a different experience in the long run. Yeah. And I would even add the, what you're saying is relatable for everyone who wants to have spiritual growth, slow it down, yeah. allow him to do the deep work. What you said is very profoundly true. It's not just the friend, which you have to be honest to even begin that process, but it's yeah. the slow it down and let the process take its time that the type of transformation we long for is not a quick one and we can't abandon it when it doesn't come in the way we want it packaged. Yeah. Yeah. So what kind of transformation work has God accomplished in you since mm. you started reading the word from mm. a thirsty place? Yeah, I would say two things. I think I walk away from God's word at, 
in a healthier way when I am both humbled and empowered at the same time. Mm. The humbling piece, if I'm not humbled in the process, then I'm probably not reading it right. I'm likely reading it with myself as the main character. That was one of the transformative pieces. But when you recognize your part is not the main character part, then you can be empowered to play the right part. I remember being in high school, grabbing my Bible and turning and doing the random page turn when I was having a bad day and, you know, the inspire me. And then he didn't, so I closed it because I was looking for inspiration. And I realized I was looking, I was seeking the wrong thing, which draws me right to God's promises. So I love that one song that goes, all his promises are yes and amen. It's a great song. Yeah. 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 But the problem is when we're singing that, I don't know how often, at least I know that I don't often think about which promises they are. And one of the promises in God's word, Jeremiah 29, 13 if you seek him, you will find him, which think about that now back to me in high school, I was seeking inspiration and I was the main character of my quiet time. No wonder I walked away disappointed. So in reading the Bible in a thirsty way, I've learned how to find the main character of the story because he will consistently be the character attribute that I find, which I need to know consistency. And usually the consistency is not found in me. So what I do is I read the Bible with three questions in mind. And so if you're wanting to jump on this and wanting to find thirst, find life, I figure out what's true about God because, so that's the first question I ask. All right, what's true about God? What's his character? Because who he was as revealed in scripture is who he is today and who will be tomorrow. That is worthy of our trust because he's consistent. Mm. Then you do the hard work where you open up yourself in prayer and say, all right, what are you trying to reveal about me? Yes. Then if you're courageous again, man, uh, asking at the very end of the time, uh, Holy Spirit, how are you leading me to respond? Not in my own effort, but how are you leading me to respond to look more like you? Those three questions for me have become the recipe for transformation because I find someone who's consistent. And then I realize it's not just that he's that for just for himself. He's that for me in my inadequacies Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. in my empowerment. And then what I get to do is ask the Lord how he's inviting me to play a significant part, not the main part, but a significant part of his story. And that's incredibly empowering to recognize that what you do is really significant, uh, no matter what life age stage or literal stage you're standing on. You don't need one of those to play a significant part. But if I walk away both humbled and empowered simultaneously, I know I'm probably reading it right. That's awesome. I love those three questions. I mean, through more to be, we're studying the names and the attributes of God this year. That's Mm. like every week, a new name or attribute, because that's been the the thing that the Lord has impressed upon my heart the last five or so years is that, do you know who I really am apart from what you want me to do? Mm. Like we, we can come to God and say, bless me, bless me, bless me, give me this, do this for me. But how, how, what does it look like to pull back and bless the Lord and know who he is and understand his character and nature that is timeless? And I think with all the noise that's coming in, for me, it feels overwhelming at times. I mean, I have multiple hats I wear. I have multiple roles I play. I get opinions all the time. And to kind of silence the noise means I have to tune into his voice and his voice is in the word as I study his character. Mm. So, so Jeremiah 29, 11, lots of controversy about that verse uh, in Christian circles. People claim it as their own and you have taken, I feel like such a beautiful 
perspective on it. Can you kind of unpack that for us a little bit? Mm, yes. Uh, it's funny, the study of Jeremiah 29, 11 started with understanding the promise that really began with understanding the promise in 29, 13 and going, okay. oh, okay. So you, this is God speaking right after he talks about the plans for Israel. Uh, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. You will seek me and you will find me. Yeah, it seems like that's kind of the plan. The plan is that we would seek him and find him. The plan is to find him. Oh, that's the plan. Oh, okay. So if that's the plan, then go back two verses for I know the plans I have for you. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So the plan is that we would find him all over the place. Then it drew me to that scripture saying, I don't think the plan is what we think it is. Yes. I think the plan is uh, what the reason we paste 2911 on uh, graduation cards. I don't think the plan is uh, what everyone's talking about. And yes, it's had controversy and I've seen everyone plaster it all over the place. And I love the truth that's spoken there. And there is timeless truths to be found. But imagine even, I mean, hear the, hear the words of the Lord again, but hear it in a personal way, given the season that you're in. God speaking, I know the plans. Can I just stop in there? Because that's the timeless truth. God knows. He knows the plans. He knows next week. He knows. And here's another odd one. Not only does he know the plans for the future and know the past, he's outside of time, which means he's simultaneously already in the future. So there's, I mean, that if you're not, if your mind begins spinning ever, just know that that's a good place. It leads you to a place of authentic worship instead of fabricated worship. So, but mm. so God knows the plan. So basically, that's where the whole journey began for me is going, okay, so if I want to know the plans, and I was finding myself doing a young adult ministry and hearing the word anxiety more than any other word, and I was yeah. finding myself frustrated and then figuring out why is everyone so anxious? And of course, there's a lot of different reasons, a lot of very valid reasons. But one reason that I kept finding is people trying to either control the plans yeah. or they're anxious because they don't know them. And we're just simply in a culture where we're not used to not knowing things. But the mm -hmm. truth we get to find is that God does know. And while he's not planning on telling us the plans, he does spend the next few verses in Jeremiah outlining to us as we read about how he outlined it to them so long ago, what our part in his plans is and our part is to trust him. And that seems like a Christian platitude until you ask deeper questions like, what does it look like to trust him? Are you actually trusting him? And the reason I say that is because every time I hear a friend say, you know, I'm just, just trying to trust God right now. Typically that's a cue for me that they haven't started. <laughs> I, I mean, Was think it about it. Word trying? it. <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to trust God. Well, what does yeah. trust mean? What does trust look like? I know we know what a trust fall is, but do you really want to look like that in your life? And so it took me on this beautiful journey. And here's the fun thing is I got to study this, write the book as God would be revealing truth through me. And that's what I love about this book. Even in contrast to past books I've written, this book was me receiving the truth personally, seeing what it looks like in a real life and seeing how it changed me in the present. It's easy as a communicator to, to tell stories from 10 years ago. And oh, a long time ago, I learned this. And in hindsight, we can all look back and learn a lot of lessons, but what do you do in the moment? What do you do when you're really angry? What do you do when you're depressed? What do you do when you're trusting yourself and you're failing? What do you do when you're trusting yourself and you're succeeding? These are all questions that are in the present. And while we can learn a lot from the past, and of course we can, and I get to share stories of revelation of what I've done and what I, how I have learned it. The fun part for me was how does this truth transform me now? And how can I confidently say, oh, I'm trusting God and allow the fear and anxiety to actually raise in the right direction to the one who 2911 
knows the plans and yeah. he knows what he's doing with all of it. And then the aha moment for me was, okay, so if God knows the plans and we don't, is there anything we can know about the plans? And then I found another famous one, Romans 8, 28. You ready for yes, it? Yes, yes. Here's yeah, what we can know. And it even starts like this. And we can know. And I'm like, ooh, that sounds good. And yeah, we can right, know right, right. that in that in all things. All things. Yeah, all things it. includes all things includes COVID-19 things. All th things includes depression. Yeah. All things includes success, all things. So we can know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. But here's where it gets interesting. Mm -hmm. So if God, so if what we can know about God's plans is that he's going to use everything for good, then we got to figure out his definition because our definition does not make sense. Because if I say, because if I think about the word good, how I define it is, oh, good is comfortable, successful, rich. How was your day? Good. It was fun, enjoyable, not stressful, not overwhelming. So if that's the case and he's using everything for good and I use my definition, then God's a liar. Mm. So it can't, it can't mm. be my definition and praise the Lord. Every famous passage has a context. Yes. And the context of that one is Romans 8, 29. When Paul oh, outlines yep. what he means yep. by good when he says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined. Love that word. Just don't get tripped up on it theologically because it just means predestined. Yeah. <laughs> so for those God foreknew, he also predestined. Here it is. Here's God's definition of good yeah. to be conformed to the image of his son. Mm -hmm. So God's definition of good is to make you more like his son. God's definition of good, he will use all things to make you more like Jesus. He'll use the hard relationship in your life. If you'll mm. let him, he can use that to make you look more like Jesus. He can use your kids' tantrums. He can use your anger. Yeah. He can use your sadness. He can use your grief. He can use your broken marriage. He can use your broken family. He can use your neighbors. He can use your non-Christian friends named Colin, who you invited over to Bible study. He can use all things to form you into the likeness of Jesus. And that's the fun thing. The journey of this book is figuring out that's the plan. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it because you, you hit on two of the most famous, I feel like, misquoted, coffee mug imprinted promises that we want the good as we define it and the plans as we want it and instead of yielding to what that looks like as god makes us more like him mm. and that i mean i have become more like him because of the hardest things in my life yes the most difficult things the longest periods of waiting you know, it, <laughs> I understand the power of forgiveness because I went through four years of my father not speaking to me and forgave him because Christ forgave me, right? Like mm -hmm. that, would I take those four years of silence from my dad and redo? No, I wouldn't redo. But the Lord revealed himself to me as a father through that time. Mm -hmm. And so have I become more like Jesus? Yes, I am way quicker to forgive than I was before then because I know that that forgiveness unleashes God's freedom to work. And it gets me out of the way of the equation. It changes, mm -hmm. it changes the work that he wants to do in me and through me. And, and as I was vulnerable during that season with the girls I was mentoring at the boarding school or the speaking events that I was at, and I would say, I'm walking through this with my dad, would you please pray for him? 
would you please pray for me because I'm angry today about this. I'm hurt. I don't want to deal with Father's Day. Whatever it was that I invited people into that story, they are the ones that have like, I cannot believe that you have pictures with your dad right now and that your relationship has experienced total restoration. And it gives them hope in their suffering. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, wow. It is, it, 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 maybe that's why I'm so passionate about this idea that we need to understand the, the definition of, of God's goodness and the definition of his plans and what it looks like to live with this kind of eternal mindset and earthly hope, knowing that God is present with us, even in that. Yeah, it's so good. It, and it's, it's cool hearing a portion of your story with that. And it's similar to me, it's all hardship. It just seems like if, as I look back in the past, it's all hardship. Now the, the trick is figuring out the present. My, my husband and I were last night talking about scripture, which I will be honest, it's not every day. We just, you know, pop around about scripture, but yeah. we were yesterday and we were each talking and we were applying the scripture to our past and it was so good. And we're like going back and forth about how the scripture goes with our past. And then I ever so slightly brought up a present struggle oh. and both of us went, mm, because this is wonderful to apply to our past and it's tough in the midst. It's tough for the listener who is in the midst of waiting for reconciliation, you know, and that's right. why I love your stories to say there is hope. In fact, Jeremiah 29, 11 references hope. Now, mind you, the hope for the people he's writing to is that God knows the plans and the plans that he ends up telling them about do come to pass 70 years later. But all God does in that moment is try to get them to pay attention to the right voice. Yeah. Because friends, if we listen to the wrong voice, we'll get in trouble. In fact, just one chapter earlier, Jeremiah 29, or sorry, 28, there's a false prophet who comes in and says, everything will get better and easier with God. I feel like he's the, he's the guy that posts Jeremiah 29, 11 all over the place, you know, yeah, That's right, the right, guy. Right. and he comes in and he's like, Hey, everything's going to get easier and fast. God's going to heal things fast. And it mm -hmm. actually reminds me back when you were talking about the horses with the, you know, actually God's process is slow because he wants to go deep. Yeah. Digging a hole that's deep is not fast. Mm -mm. It's mm -mm. long and it's hard, but the longer, the deeper it can go. Mm. And so the guy comes in and then you get this little, little fun fact that you don't necessarily know about is Jeremiah not only prophesies to the people, he also predicts that guy's death, which does come to pass mm. in the chapter before the Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans, plans to give you hope in a future, which by the way, I love that he says hope and future because those two are very distinct and different. But then he goes into it and here's the word I think all of us need to hear for our present, which is God's words. Of course, that's why it's called the Bible, God's word. If you're longing to hear from God and you're in the midst of waiting, here's the good news. He doesn't just say, I know the plans, period. And that's it. He says, I know the plans. They do have hope and future because he's in them. Then he gets specific with what you can do. So if you're sitting there wondering what to do, here's the good news. This is God speaking. He says, then you will call upon me. And by the mm -hmm. way, that's a direct contrast to calling upon yourself. It looks like prayer. It looks like dependence. It looks like stopping, controlling, taking your fists mm -hmm. of the tightness of control you have on your family or the people around you or your future. And you open up your fists, you call upon him mm -hmm. and he keeps going. And then you come and you pray to me. 
And then he gives this really sweet character attribute when he says, and I'm going to listen. God listens. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine a perfect listener? When I listen to my friends well, I learn how to love them. Now imagine God who is perfect at listening. Oh, I'm going to listen to you. Verse 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek Mm -hmm. me with all your heart. And friends, here's the crazy part. You can find God everywhere. You can find him in non-Christians as well, because they bear his image too. Yeah. You can find him everywhere. If you're searching for him, if you're searching for something else, you might be disappointed. Even in church services, whether your church is streaming these days, or if you're back together, wherever, if you seek to find inspiration, you may walk away from your church critiquing a pastor or disappointed in the worship music style friends. But if you go to church and you seek God, I hope it changes your immediate question afterwards from what'd you think to what did you learn about God? Because we need to know that and we need to remember it because to remember, this is another one that God's teaching me right now. To remember is not just to put it in your brain. It's always to act. When I remember someone's birthday, it's not just to go, hmm, it's their birthday. No, no, no. I remember in order to send a text. I remember in order to act. We gather as a church to remember, not to always be amazed by new truth and profound ways that and clever analogies. No, no, no. We come to be reminded maybe of truth we already know. And as we remember it, then we can act on behalf of it. And then the beauty is we get to go home and act on God's behalf in our home. That doesn't, by the way, need us to be perfect, but man, it needs God's character. God's plan for our home might just be us. I know, which is is the scary part because that's where we're most (laughs) exposed in our (laughs) need for Jesus and probably often want to pretend the most that we are fine without him, right? And Mm -hmm. that's that. It goes back to that vulnerability word of how do we... How do we how do we do this honestly and with with a dependence, a trust in the Lord that He has that hope and that future that He's not given us cliff notes on. And and you were saying something, and it was making me think back to um, a story that you had shared in the opening about the vow of silence. I don't want to give away the oh. whole story because I, <laughs> it is so so good. But, you know, hearing, hearing, what did you hear from God? Were you listening to, to him was something that, that just like came up as you were speaking. And I was thinking you had all these questions. Um, you know, are we attuned to professor God? Yeah. It was a, you, you had that subheader of professor. Uh, and I, it's this sentence here. I think most of us assume God is the teacher at the front of the classroom. According to us, he should dish out answers and lesson plans, or rather life plans, all tailored to our individual expectations. When the answers don't arrive in the form we expect or don't arrive at all, we think something is wrong with us or our teacher. But God is so much more than an answer giver. He's Mm -hmm. our guide for life's journey, the one who walks beside us in our messes with us, helping us to see exactly what we need when we need it. Mm -hmm. And I mean this. I was gonna. I was gonna say that's good, but that's weird because it's me. Uh, no, no, I, <laughs> no, it no, is but, good. no. It is a life. It's a true lesson that I've been learning. We expect. Oh, we have these crazy expectations of God and what it should look like. And just a little context to the people listening is uh, basically, I'm a univer- I was a university professor for a number of years, and one of my students 
took a vow of silence and then he challenged me and said, you should try it kind of, kind of obnoxiously is it. And uh, I took his challenge and spent the rest of the class not saying a word and disappointing everyone, but here's the aha. And I realize this as a communicator, as a teacher, as anyone that leads people, really it's this, if I say something, and even as you're listening on this podcast, if I say something, best case scenario is you understand. And I hope you do. I hope you're understanding what we're trying to share with you. But if you say something, you'll actually remember it. The reason you know that is if you've ever sat in a class and raised your hand at one point during the mm -hmm. class and then spoke up, you spend the rest of the class either critiquing or being very proud of what you just said. Am I right? Yes. So if you say something, you'll remember it. If you discover something, you own it and you only act on what you own, not necessarily what you agree with. And here becomes a problem we have with churches if we simply just understand it what they were trying to get across and we don't engage, if we don't speak, if we don't sing, if we don't talk about it afterwards, then we'll never discover truth for ourselves and we'll simply be content latching onto someone else's faith and stuck on podcasts instead of digging into God's word on our own. Totally. And the reason, the reason I 100% agree with you is it's the foundation of what I teach in the coach training course. I teach every single woman that comes through coach training your job is not to give advice. Your job is not to tell. Your job is to ask open-ended questions. And the first person that ever did it was God himself. When Adam and Eve in Genesis 3 or in the Garden of Eden, God says, where are you? He knew exactly where they were. And Adam had to own it. And then what are you doing? And then Adam and Eve had to own it. And so from the very beginning, God has demonstrated for us that he might know it all. We as teachers here might know it all, but it's in that, that what am I doing? How do I explain it? How do I acknowledge what's happening inside of me and the choices I'm making that we change? And so when mm -hmm. we work with a coaching client, I am asking questions. And so this list that you had in this book of all these questions that Jesus has asked, I was like, yes, <laughs> this is exactly it. Because that's an example I give. I say, Jesus, is the one who knew all things and chose to not speak in statements. He continually turned it back to questions and used oh. that as a teaching method. How comforting it is. If anyone's ever felt intimidated sharing their faith because they didn't know the answer, how comforting is it that the one who did know the answer to every single question was less interested in giving the answer to the questions and more interested in relationship. Yes. We can learn from that and feel a lot less intimidated to need to know the answers, which brings us full circle to our Bible study conversation. You can really be honest. You can really ask good questions. People will not judge you for it. They'll learn because of it. Yeah. 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 Because it makes each person have, or it doesn't make, it provides the invitation for each person to think clearly and thoughtfully about what they think about and it, it it's just amazing and in a relational context from a trauma perspective it integrates the brain i mean that's the that is god designed us to know head neocortex through one another which is relational the limbic system that middle part of the brain and so when we in our fear brainstem fight flight or freeze acknowledge I'm worried, I'm anxious. You talked about anxiety, I'm overwhelmed. I, I don't know what to do. My body's feeling clammy, my heart is racing, I, my head is pounding and I'm all alone. We give verbiage to that, to somebody that we're in relationship with. We move out of that brainstem, that, that fight, flight, freeze response into 
the place of connectedness, the relationship, the, hey, we're in this together. And then God's in the power of the Holy Spirit comes in and the revelation is there. And then the brain is thinking. And finally, faith is in action. But it takes that relationship component to make it happen. Yes and amen. Yeah, there's there's me all going all crazy. Megan, this is so good. So what is your commissioning for our listeners? Next step. Besides buying your book as soon as it comes out, mm-hmm. or even pre-orders, because that always helps. Yeah, I yeah. Best word is to answer the this question. So, if God's good plan is to make you more like Jesus, then answer this one: How might God be wanting to use the very thing you're going through to form you more into the likeness of Jesus? Amen that question god's promptings his words the good news is he doesn't just transform you for you he transforms you and then through you can reach others and i know we all want to have impact but it always starts with us i know you're frustrated i know people haven't been perfect to you i know people have hurt you i know it hasn't been fair life hasn't felt fair you've made mistakes or you've been convinced you haven't made many Wherever you're at, the good news is we can always become more like Jesus and we will always have margin to become more like Jesus because he's perfect and we will never be. So in the meantime, be okay with precisely where you're at, but don't let yourself stay there. I'm quoting you on that one now, (laughs) Uh, but I'll, I'll end with this blessing because I love blessings and it's the one out of Timothy that uh, I get to speak over my little boy each night. Uh, May you know, listener, that God did not give you a spirit of fear or timidity. If you're experiencing Mm. fear, and it's not of the Lord, that is actually wisdom. But if you're experiencing a timid, timidity or fear, it's not from the Lord. He gave you a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline to get you there. And there would be part of his plan, his plan to make you more like his son. Mm, That's a beautiful blessing. Would you also close us in a word of prayer? Oh, honored. Awesome. Uh, Father, Heavenly Father, I thank you. And I'm coming to the words of Paul. I pray and ask that you would strengthen us with power in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And I pray that we would be rooted and established and secure in the fact that we're already loved by you. If we've been striving to find it elsewhere, Lord, would you convict in your kind way uh, to bring us back to you? And Lord, we pray to you because you could do immeasurably more than all we ask for even could imagine for each other. To you who is at work in us, would it be for your glory, we pray. And all God's children, wherever they are driving or not, would say aloud, amen. Amen. Thank you. So Megan, Remind everybody again where they can find you. Oh, man. The internet. I heard it's not fading anytime fast. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. So thank you, everyone, for listening to the More to Be podcast. I pray you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and his word during your time with us. This podcast is made possible through your financial support. To become a supporter, visit the More to Be shop and join the sisterhood. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work.